let people know what he has done in us and how this has changed everything for us. So um, as you can look on, um, on our screens, there is a website that you can uh, visit, or you can also um, um, text it to, uh, as you can see. Um, and uh, let me tell you, tithing has been for me one of the most beautiful blessings when, when, I, when I started learning about tithings. I can tell you one thing, and God knows that I speak the truth to you. I have not lacked a thing, not during these hard times, not, not, I mean, let's think about it, think about it for a moment. You know, the Bible talks about, in the book of Hebrews, about Abraham meeting King Melchizedek after he had conquered the five kings. But it says that from the spoils that he got from these five kings, when he met Melchizedek, which was a type of Jesus Christ, um, Melchizedek was the king of Salem. He was the king of Jerusalem, which meant the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And Abraham found it a joy to bring this king 10% of everything he had collected from those, from those kings. Why? Because Abraham knew. Abraham knew that not only could this, this same God um, raise the dead, but he could, he could provide for him anything that he needed. And I have learned from my own life and my own experience that, you know, when I give to God, I don't miss it. It's like I don't have to, I don't have to like be tight-fisted or it's a blessing. It's a blessing because I've learned that that 10% that comes back into the house of God is for the work of God. God doesn't need our money, but he wants our faithfulness. And it's beautiful. So giving, you know, so giving to God is one of the most beautiful blessings that you will encounter. And uh, as we get into the message today, you will learn from the word of God that there is even scripture about that. And I don't want to get ahead of it, but it's going to come in soon, and you're going you're gonna to see it for yourself. So with that being said, um, today we're going to get into our message. And today um, <clears throat> is part two of the series <clears throat> of uh, God. Today's title is God is moving in our struggles. God is moving in this struggle even today, even today. So we're going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 30. Wow, that sounds like a lot of verses, right? But hang in there, hang in there. God will make this very clear today. So. I want us to know and, and, and start with this idea in our head. I want you guys to, to, to understand, just like we heard um, Diana today talk about it, God is still moving. God is still moving. God never stopped working. Jesus said it. He said, my father's always working, so I'm always working. Then he raised disciples so that they can continue the work. But this work didn't just start when Jesus came. This work started from the beginning of time. You know, and, and what I want you to see is that God's plans, God's plans for us never stopped by our present circumstances. And they don't stop now. But he's using these, this time, this pandemic, and even what's going on in the world today to show us that we are exactly living in the times that he wants to meet us. He's meeting us now in our struggles. Right now, you might say, well, 
Well, why would God do that? Well, my brothers and sisters, think about this. Some of us, some of us may think that our present circumstances are strange. Some people think it's strange. They don't understand it. They don't know what's going on. But they even wonder if God hears your prayers, hears our prayers, and they wonder if God is really listening. Is he present in this? Is he moving while all this is happening in our life? Well, we want to know if the Lord sees and hears our prayers. God, why haven't you answered me right away? Right? So are you really there? We question, we question, we question. We don't even like what's happening all around us. We don't even like the things we hear. We don't. We don't like to hear all that negative uh, uh, news and negative uh, the negative that's out there from social media, you know, from people that that um, don't know the truth of the word of God, that just throw and blur out stuff there that ain't even telling the truth. And a lot of people are confused today. See, but let me let me make something very clear, church, and to those that are listening. There is a problem. There is a problem that God has pointed out. He has pointed this out. Over and over and over again. What is this problem? The problem is that a lot of us are all crazy and worried and concerned because this is what the Lord has said. A lot of us, a lot of my children don't sit down with me to read my word and to spend time with me to ask me for instruction. We have been given the instruction book. The Bible, the Bible has been given to us, but a lot, a lot of us won't spend time with God every day. We don't. But this, even though you're not doing that, this still doesn't stop God from keeping his promises. God still fulfills what he has purposed for each and every one of us. You know, God is patient with us. But I want to bring you some good news today. I want to bring you some good news, brothers and sisters. And it's a message directly that God has put in my heart. You know, spending time with God, especially when he's going to have you address his people, we have to be careful when we, when we come up here. We are so, like, accountable to God for what we say. And it has to be the truth. It has to be truth. We cannot come up here and make up stuff and, and come up with our own opinions or ideas. It has to be the truth that we read every single day. But God wants to show you and I all that are listening through his word that God was faithful to his children in the past during their times of uncertainties and he will be faithful even with us today let me give you a few examples as I was thinking about this I think about starting with Adam and Eve right they they were in a garden with God and they sinned and God in spite of their sin still decided that he would close them 
that he would clothe them. It's true he kicked them out of the garden, but he also cursed the serpent and told them, oh, man, what you have done, what you have started from here, I knew you were going to do. A lot of people might say, might even ask this question, well, if God knew that man was going to sin, then why did he allow man to exist? That's a lot of questions that people have asked. I asked God the same question. And you know what, what his response was? When before I created the universe and the earth, I already knew who would believe in my son. I knew who would be faithful to me. So if I would have destroyed Adam and Eve in the beginning, then none of you would have existed today. Does that make sense? None of us would have known about Jesus Christ. But when God said in the beginning, he already knew the end. And he saw his family. He saw us believing in his son, receiving the salvation, and having the spirit of Jesus Christ living in us today. That is great news. From there, we go to Noah. God didn't uh, uh, put Noah to swim with his family. He had him build a boat. And though he did away with the earth, he still took care of Noah and his family and all those animals in the boat. He didn't save them out of the boat. He saved them in the storm. He told them it would pour water for 40 days and 40 nights. And yet, for 150 days still, they were waiting for land to appear. They had to wait. Because God's plan was still in movement to destroy the work of the serpent. He told S Satan, oh, what you have done, I'm going to meet you somewhere. And that place would be the cross where he would do away with sin once and for all and set us free. And then we see Abraham. Abraham was promised, right, to believe God. And therefore, we would be the children of faith. He's never seen God. He never touched them. But yet, the scripture teaches us that we love him and we know him. Isn't that a beautiful supernatural thing that happens in us? We didn't even know what happened. Here we are sitting here today listening to God's word with a reality that God is real and that he's coming back for us. We don't have to deny or make up nothing up about that. The word is true. And then we see all the patriarchs from Abraham to Moses. Abraham had to wait too. The Lord told them, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Sarah got, got desperate. And, and gave him uh, uh, the slave woman. And God said, no, 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 no. I said through your seed, you yourself, you and your wife, through you the promise will come, which will be Jesus Christ. But he still had to wait. God was still moving in his life. King David, Saul constantly tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. And he endured. But God was still in his, in his struggle. Though David sinned, God was still in his, in his struggle. At the end, he was still considered one of the greatest kings of Israel that ever existed. And a man after God's own heart. Then we read about, you know, the other, the other prophets. Jeremiah thrown into the cistern, had to endure while people ridiculed him and treated him bad. But God was still in the midst of their struggle. God never abandoned those that love him. He did the same thing with when, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, when the three were put in the furnace, 
Didn't he show up? Didn't he show up? To Gideon, he said, oh, man of God. Yeah, really, me? You know, my, I'm the least in my family. Oh, you don't know my plan. You are who I'm going to use to deliver the people. And we could go on and on and on. Jonah. Jonah wasn't saved out of the boat. If he would have just been thrown into the water and that fish didn't swallow him up, God saved him in the fish. In the fish. You see God's faithfulness throughout the word? You see it? Hosea was given a prostitute to be his wife. Who had kids that God gave a name to. Lo Ruhama. Lo Ami. You are not my people. But then you will be, you will be my people. You know, God's, God's sovereignty in all of this is beautiful. Because he tries to show us that he is still in control. Then we get to the life of Christ. Even Jesus, in the midst of all that, being called a gluten and a wine bibber and, and being called a false teacher and, and demon-possessed, he endured the ridicule of people. Why? Because his plan from the beginning was not going to be stopped. And that was to destroy the work of the serpent so that we would be set free today, so that we would freely come and love God with all our hearts. So if God drove them and was with them through all this, let us look at Psalm 37, 25. Look at what, what the word says. It says, this was, I believe it was David in the Psalm. I was young and now I am old. I have seen some stuff and been through some stuff, but look at what he says. But I have never seen the righteous God's children, forsaken, not throughout the Bible, not even now, not even now, have we been forsaken? And let me ask you something. Have you been begging for bread? Instead, God has used you to pass out bread. In the summer, almost to the winter, God opened up the doors to be able to feed Thousands of people around here. We could only do so much. But we were available for the work of God. Did the pandemic stop that? No, it did not. No, it did not. So the truth is, and it confirms, the word of God confirms, and even our, our, our current experiences confirm that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that beautiful? In the midst of it all, God is still moving in a way that blows your mind away. Wow, God, why do I have peace in the midst of all this? Why do I have peace in the midst of all this? In Matthews, let me answer that question. In Matthews, um, I believe it's in chapter 9. It's between 35 and 38 where Jesus said, when you see these things happening, Know that I am coming soon. He spoke it in Matthew 24. And this is what Jesus said in chapter 9. I just gave you something from chapter 24 of Matthew. But this is what Jesus said in chapter 9. He says, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. 
Where's the church? Where are those who deliver the message? Like those that came in the past so that we will believe in Jesus Christ today. Well, today, this is going to lead us to our first point. God in his wisdom, his wisdom and, his, and in his sovereignty has deliberately, on purpose, yes, on purpose. God has on purpose designed for us these present circumstances for what? For advancing the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Listen, brothers and sisters, if everything else has become more important to you than advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ and standing up for your faith to defend it, and this is what we're going to learn today from Paul, that his circumstances did not stop him from doing the work of God no matter where he was at. And God will meet us in the very same place that we are today, but it's going to also make a calling to you to stand up and fight. And let's look at this for a minute. Let's, let's go to Philippians. Before I go there, first I got I to gotta mention this. Last week, uh, Pastor Lewis talked to us about in the beginning of the letter. This was a letter written to the church in Philippi. By this time, Paul had been chained and taken to Rome. He was either waiting for a release, for a persecution or a punishment, or for death. Which one? It didn't matter to him. And we will learn that today in this letter. Because his, his focus was the mission that Jesus Christ had gave Paul to do. Just like each and every one of us has been given the, mess, the same mission to go and spread the good news of Jesus Christ, no matter what the circumstances are. No matter what the circumstances are. So verse 12 says, so again, the key verse last week for Pastor, Pastor Lewis was Philippians 1.6, which said, he who has begun a good work, or let's say God who has begun a good work in us has promised to complete it. From the moment we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, we were given a promise. Man, a promise that God would never leave us nor forsake us, give up on us, but that this work was his work in our life. But while he's working in our life, we are also supposed to be working for him. Working for him. And this takes us to the verses. So Paul, um, chapter 1, verse 12 through 14 says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to do what? Spread the gospel. Verse 13, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Jesus Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak the message without fear. Well, brothers and sisters, this is something to look into because what I am about to, to um, point out here is that you don't have to be in a jail to be in the circumstance that Paul was at. 
don't. We are in, the, in these present circumstances for a reason. So look, so Paul, Paul addresses the Philippians who were probably concerned about him. Oh, you know, and some were even saying, oh, he's locked up because, you know, he did something wrong with God. So that's why God hasn't chained up. Those are the false teachers who will try to get you to believe whatever they want. But here, Paul wants to assure the Philippian church in Philippi with this letter, hey, 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 listen, this imprisonment, this circumstance that I find myself in is purposely made by God himself. Why? Think about what he says in these verses, 13 and 14. He says, for, he says, by me being in the circumstance that I am, it has helped. To do what? Spread the good news of Jesus Christ. That Father God loved us while we were in our sins. And Jesus made peace between us and the Father so that we wouldn't be destroyed and go to hell. But not only did he give us that, not to be destroyed, he allowed and gave us the gift of the spirit of Jesus Christ to live in each and every one who would accept him. So that what? So that one day when he returned with us, we would be living with him forever. One day we're going to take off this ground and we're going to meet the Lord in the sky in the heavens right there in the clouds it says in the clouds and in the twinkling of an eye we're going to be changed and then we're going to leave with Jesus Christ Tribu the tribulation great tribulation is going to happen here on the earth and then we're going to come back and reign with Christ for another thousand years so Paul saw Paul saw that listen this life is short but there's a mission and something that we're supposed to learn along the way. And that is to learn to know our God, to worship our God, follow our God, and share our God. So Paul assured the Philippians, hey, God's sovereign hand is in this situation. Your situation today is exactly where God wants you. Everything that has happened in our life is for a purpose has a purpose in it, whether we like it or not. God's plan doesn't stop, but he invites us to be a part of it. How beautiful is it that the kingdom of heaven, the creator of the universe, wants us to serve him even after all the mess that we have been. And we still make them. We still make them, but what? He still loves us. He still loves us. He says, just keep coming. Don't give up. Don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to that negativity. Listen to my voice. All those ugly things that you think about yourself and you think about people have nothing to do with me. That's just your human nature. That sinful, hostile nature that doesn't get along with me. But the new nature that I have given you that is born to be like my son, that is in you right now and is being changed every day by the Holy Spirit as you spend time with him and you sit down with him, is being changed more and more into the image of Jesus. So the Philippians were encouraged. Listen, Paul is in the palace. He's not there sitting lawfully. He's on house arrest. He can have visitors. But man, God was going to save some of those people in that palace. He had, he had children that would become his there. And not only that, the palace guard, 
the very same ones that were guarding him and had him in chain. They became believers. Philippi was a Greek-Roman colony. You know, it was like a military place. And God even shared the gospel with these that had, him, had his messenger in chains. But they also became believers. See, that's the beauty of this. It doesn't matter the circumstances that we're in right now, this pandemic and people dying and all that. Yes, man, God, help us to help reach this dying world. But we can't reach them if all we're thinking of is about, oh, well, I'm safe. You know, hey, it's on them if they want to. No, we were told to go. The commission says, go, you all, all of you, into all the world. And preach the good news about what I have done for mankind. But though Paul, in spite of all this, he showed his faithfulness to God. He didn't care about his circumstances. He knew that God was in him. He says, listen, what you thought that was for wrong, no, it's because God was saving other people. And I am in, I am in the place that I'm supposed to be at right now in this prison raising up more disciples because with raising disciples, you don't depend on just one person. You have more people who know about the same truth that can go out and spread it. So if 50 people were, were there, that's 50 people that tell 50 other people, and now they become 100. And those 100 tell another 100 people, and those 100 become, and it adds, it adds, it adds, it adds, it adds. Ask yourself. When was the last time you invited somebody to the house of God? Oh, but if there's a pandemic, there's a, uh, that's not, the, that's not, that's not God, what God wants to hear. When was the last time you told somebody what Jesus did in your life? God is still faithful and still moving in our circumstances. And the, chi the, the people at Philippi, were really, really, really excited to hear that Paul said, wait a minute, they didn't only just believe, but they got bold. They went crazy. They went crazy about this good news, and they understand that I'm no criminal. I am in chains because I love Jesus Christ. Do we love Jesus Christ the same? To care about people? Do we? You can say yes all you want, but until you act on it, So look at this. Let, let's look at this. So Paul, Paul's life was still in the position that God wanted him, just like we are where we are today because of the Lord. There is not one person in the Bible, and I just showed you, I just showed you some of them, and you can look for yourselves. There is not one person in the Bible that followed the Lord and did not find themselves in a difficult situation. So whoever told you that, come to Jesus, because everything's going to be hunky-dory, like I hear pastors say all the time. Oh, man, I don't know what, what gospel, what, what message you've been listening to, but I know that my Jesus suffered for the truth, for being the truth, and the way and the life. And all my brothers that came after him, the apostle Peter, our brother John, all the disciples all had their share 
in sharing in the difficulties of being a believer in Jesus Christ. So I don't think that we're exempt. If you're, if you're, if you feel too, if you're comfortable, there's a problem. There's a problem if you're comfortable. Remember, I told you that the gospel is good news. Good news motivates people. You know, pretty sure when you heard that Biden was going to give another $1,400 of that stimulus, right? Yeah, man. It was motivating. <laughs> I ain't got it. I didn't even get the 600 I'm hoping to get them in the taxes. But you know what? Still in the circumstance, God is still in control. So none of us can, can ex um, expect to be exempt. But it's a, it's, it's a beauty. It's a, it's a joy, like I told you before, to be accounted by God, to be considered worthy to receive this message and take it to somebody else. You know how many people you can talk to and they'll brush you off? Our own family sometimes brush, you off, brush us off. Oh, now you think you're holier than thou? No, not at all. But I know the one that lives in me is. He's holier than me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I have the spirit of the living Christ that was raised from the dead living in me. He's my teacher. He's my counselor. He's my comforter. Is that who you find to be your counselor and teacher? Or is it everybody else? Listen, there's a lot of great preachers out here. And a lot of them speak the truth. But remember, the word of God must be, must be listened to, learned, applied. And when you learn the truth, don't be afraid to warn others. Because there is a coming, a coming wrath upon this earth. But the Lord still wants to use us. Listen, week after week, month after month, and year after year, God has sent us pastors. He has sent us leaders. He has sent us teachers to train us in living a godly life, living a holy life taking the word of God and applying it to your life and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to. I just read it, so I have no excuse for it. Let me do what it says. And if I fail, let me not quit. Lord, I, I need more help in this. You know, like a math test. Oh, man, I'm going to get this problem. I need more help. I need a tutor. You know, get help. You have brothers and sisters who, who, who read the word. Ask questions. Don't just assume if you didn't understand something, if you don't understand something I said, ask me. I will be more than willing to explain it. I will tell you what God has shown me without fear of being ridiculed or, or, or told, ah, you know, you're, okay, Mr. Mr. Know-it-all or something. No. You know, the funny thing is, the funny thing is that my education has never been past ninth grade. I don't have no college degree, no high school diploma, but God chose a messed up person like me, drug addict, unfaithful in relationships, kids out of wedlock, destructive past, unself-destruct, 
he spoke to me that very same verse when I was 16 years old. At 16 years old, my cousin and my, my best friend were, you know, this is the first time I'd given my life to Christ. Though I grew up in the church, this was the first time that I said, Lord, I, I really want to. I, I want to please forgive me for my, I mean, I really meant it. Please, God, I don't know what to do. G you know, help me understand. So I remember my cousin and my best friend, they were running back and forth with the Bible. Oh, look what God showed me. Oh, and, God. and I'm sitting on the sofa looking at the same book, right? And they're running back and forth. Oh, and look at what God showed me. And look at what God showed me. And look at what God showed me. And I'm sitting right there and I'm saying, man, God, you don't show me anything. <laughs> Seriously, I said that, right? But then all of a sudden, my best friend read a verse to my cousin, and it was exactly Philippians 1.6. 1-6, and that verse from the moment that he spoke it to my cousin was recorded in my heart. And I knew that for the first time, God had told me, I have begun something in you, and I promise to complete it. No matter what you do, I know the path you're going to take after I've given you this promise. And it was the path of destruction to the point where I hated my life. But it was a person as messed up like this, that Jesus went to the cross for. You don't have to have gone through those extreme sins that I committed to be used by God. God will use you exactly where you're at. And for his very purposes, what? If you let him. If you let him. Ten and a half years ago when the Lord saved me, he told me enough is enough. If you continue like that, you will die. And I, I knew for the very first time, because I told him how much I hated my life, but I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change. And it wasn't until I told the Lord and admitted and said, I know. The promise came back to my mind. I know that you didn't make me to live like this, but you got to help. anybody if you let if you let him use you you don't have to be you don't have to think about you having to be educated in no way you know who the bible speaks it very clearly the holy spirit the spirit of jesus christ that lives in each and every one of us is your teacher and your counselor and your comforter he'll add to what you learn but he'll bring it to reality and then he'll he'll allow you to go through the experiences of, okay, now that you know about this, now let me put you through the hardships to see if you will endure. And he knows that you will. Because his promise is to what? To finish the work that he started until your last breath or until Jesus Christ returns. Man, that's a whole lifetime. I thought it was like, Jesus, I accept you. I'm done. Yes, now nothing's going to happen to me. Okay. Okay. It's a It's a joy. It's a peace in the midst of everything that is happening, and God still shows you that he is faithful and still moving. Look. The Philippians gained confidence in hearing about what was happening in Rome, and they started going crazy too in Philippi and started boldly proclaiming the good news too. This should cause a chain reaction to move us to want to do God's work. Check this out. There's a lot of things that are happening. 
Not everyone that hears will answer the call. See, if you notice that Paul said that most, most of the believers, most became bold. Not all. Most. He uses the word most. When you're reading the scripture, pay attention to key words like that. Most. Oh, that's not everybody. So where, where do I fit there? Am I doing my part or am I one of those that are not listed in the most believers became bold and started to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? For people, hey, I'm going to heaven. Come with me. Well, how do you know that? Because God promised me. Well, how do you know God? Because he lives in me. Well, how do you know God? Well, I can't explain that much, but I'll let you know that he's real. <laughs> because this is who I was and this is who I am today. And I can't stop talking about him. So this is the, this is, there's another problem that's going on. He mentions the word fear. But today it seems to be the opposite. Jesus Christ has been stirring up the church for 2,000 years that his return is soon. It's soon. We're seeing the, late, the, the, the birth pains, but the birth pains have been for a very long time. Why, why does the Bible talk about birth pains? Because the world itself, in, as you read the book of Romans, the world itself is subject to decay because of the sin that is on it. The earth is like a pregnant woman who's ready to burst because of the, of the return of Jesus Christ. What is it waiting for? It's waiting for Jesus to come and reign on the earth. It's saying enough of this craziness, enough of this death, enough of this killing, enough of this, enough of this sin, enough of that. The earth itself groaned with pain. Everything was affected by sin. And Jesus came to make peace with us in the Father so that in the future we have a new heaven and a new earth. But the world is gripped with fear. It does more harm than good day by day. But the problem is that this fear has crept into our churches too. The fear has crept into our churches. And let me tell you, as I sat with God to do this lesson, remember, I'm sitting, I'm reading God's word, and as you begin to write, the Lord begins to put in your mind what he wants you to put down. I'm not going to come over here and tell you that God didn't prepare my heart. I didn't make this up. It applies to our everyday, everyday life, to myself, right? If he's telling me, hey, get up off uh, watching Netflix for four hours and go tell somebody or call somebody in your family, tell them I'm coming soon, that I care for them, right? But some of us here and even at home carry some type of fear. But any type of fear in the children of God is a lack of trust in God. Did you guys know that? The Lord put this in my heart. And this is the way it came to my mind. What is happening today, I want you to tell them, I have been speaking about since the beginning of time. My son, Jesus, spoke about it also and said, when you see these things happening, know that I am at the door ready to return. 
But these circumstances are not an excuse for my sons and daughters to sit back and do nothing. Some of my children have begun to like staying home. When I said in my word not to stop meeting with one another. Some don't even get up on time to worship with the few faithful that come to the sanctuary. They say, oh, it's recorded. I'll watch it later and never come back to hear what I said. Many more say, I don't have to go to the sanctuary to be saved. I'm a Christian all by myself. And some have begun to fall away or are thinking about falling away. Paul explained the opposite, that whatever struggles you find yourselves in, it's all in God's plan. I'm not promoting not to follow the guidelines of the CDC, uh-uh, and the church. No, not at all. All I'm telling you is that God, if God is tugging at your heart, begin to make your way back to the sanctuary slowly. Okay? Slowly make your way back. This is what God put in my heart. Tell my children it's time. We miss you a lot ourselves. Listen, the people who have contracted COVID in our location that we knew about, right, caught it outside. Isn't that true? It wasn't in the sanctuary or within these walls. But each and every one of them has been restored by the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? God, is, God was in them in their struggles and in their fear and still restored them. Let me say something that is true. We take more chances when we're out there getting our necessities and we're shopping for two or more hours or out in the street. Right? We take more chances doing that. But we can't come to God's house and spend two hours with him. Those that can. Remember what I said. Following the guidelines. And, the, and whatever is set in this place. We can only hold so many people. So when you can, start making your way back. Verses 15 through 19. This is what Paul says. It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach out Christ with pure hearts. Those others have, do not have, oh, uh, 16. They preach because they love me. These are the true believers. I, um, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with self-ambition, not sincerity, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I'm happy. Now I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So let's look at this. Like I said, Paul is not talking about maybe being set free from jail. Maybe he was, right? The, the emperor, he's going to say, wait a minute, this guy, this guy didn't really like, hurt people, break the laws. They're accusing him of inciting riots, not, not being truthful. He's only talking about this so-called Jesus that it seems like the whole world is talking about. And what is happening here? What's happening here is that he says, listen, you're going to have people who are going to be controversial, who are, who are going to be talking about other things, making other things more important than advancing the kingdom and reaching people. Satan doesn't want us to, to, to uh, reach the lost. You could come to church every week. 
You could be at home listening to services. But if that's all you do, and you're not reaching the laws, you're off mission. You have not been doing what Jesus told us to do. That was the one thing he told us to do. You say you love me? Show me you love me by doing what I say. Oh, Lord, you guys know what is going to happen. I fear VHS again. And there goes world war me again. Now I'm sitting in front of the TV saying, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm just one more, one more. And we're stuck. And we never raised a finger or a phone or anything. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Remember, I'm speaking about myself too. But Paul wanted them to know that, hey, if you hear people, other churches preaching about Jesus Christ and they're preaching sound doctrine that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's the way, the truth, and the life, hey, don't mess with it. Jesus said, whoever's not for, if whoever is with us in spreading or doing the work of God is not against us. Leave them alone. When the disciples try to tell Jesus, oh, man, you know, these people were casting out demons in your, in your name and everything. We told them to stop. Jesus said, no, why would you do that? If they're not against you, man, invite them in. Let's go, let's go reach the world together. I don't care from what denomination you come from. I don't care if you're a Catholic, but your love is for Jesus Christ, and he's the center of your life. I don't care if we preach the same message and we don't get off track. That's what Paul was happy about. Verse 20 through 25. Point two. We must decide today in our own hearts to be all in for Jesus, even if it costs us our life. What? I don't want to die. We're going to die anyways. But why not die on mission? Because we know that the God who saved our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that raised them from the dead also put the spirit of Christ in us that is also going to be raised from the dead. Oh, yeah. This is how Paul lived. And this is what he says in verses 20, 20 through 25. For I fully hope and expect that I will never be ashamed, but that I would continue to be bold for Christ, for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. For to me, living means <coughs> living for Christ, and dying is even better. <coughs> but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Fruitful work. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes. I am, uh, it is better that I continue to be alive. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to what? Help all of you grow what? And experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reasons to take pride in Christ because of what Jesus Christ is doing through me. Listen, as you look at that, it's, you're called to do to, to take a to make a decision. You're either gonna live for Christ or you're not. You're gonna you're either gonna spread the good news or you're not. You're either gonna love people or you won't. But Paul said, listen, I know that 
today would be better because I'll be with Jesus. But while I am alive, I am also producing more fruit. What is that fruit? The fruit of righteousness. Not only in his, in his own life, but he was helping people to grow in righteousness. Though we wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we're still called to right living. Right living, right thinking, right choices. And you can't make great choices unless you know the true choices that the word of God tells you to make. Put away anger. Put away strife. You know, put, put a, you know forgive. You want to be forgiven? Why haven't you forgiven that person? You know, things like that. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Not as a rule, but because you love Christ. Paul loved Christ, and he said, you know what? I'm willing to die for him. I'm willing to die. Why? Because I know that when I close my eyes here, I'm going to open them up there with him. And that's the same thing for us. That's the good news. We don't just come to believe in Jesus Christ to, uh, to be bench warmers. We come to Jesus Christ because we know we've been loved, and we need to love people. And uh, Pastor Lewis mentioned that in one of the verses that he said, uh, where it says, I believe it was Philippians 1-9, where it says, and I pray that your love will uh, expand more and more. He wasn't just talking about believers, loving believers. It's easy for us to come in here, right, and love one another because we see each other for two hours. Yes, brother, I love you. But we know nothing about each other's life. We don't know if we hang around with a week for a week together that we're going to be frustrated like, oh, man, I didn't know he had that many character defects. Man, I didn't know Jose was so annoying. Man, Jose talks a lot. You know, whatever it might be. But in spite of those things, we're called to love one another. We're not to be looking at each other's faults, but knowing that we're to be united, walking together in this all the way to the end. And Paul said, you know what, I need to stick around. Lord, I know I want to go with you, but if I stick around, you can still use me to help my brothers and sisters grow. I pray the same today. Lord, I know that it's, it's going to be in your time because you know the days of my life. But at least while I'm here, use me. Use me to build up my brothers and sisters. Help me to teach them what you have taught me. My life is full of joy in spite of everything that's happening. Even through my hardships, I still got peace. What? That's supernatural. And if you want to experience that peace, you got to be all in. Can't be halfway. And if you look at that from, from 20 to 26, the name of Christ is mentioned six times, letting you know that, man, Paul's life was Jesus Christ. Jesus was the love of his life. I can say the same thing for myself today. Jesus is the love of my life. I, he really is. And I, only I know that. Why? Because of the way I live today. The things that I don't do anymore. The more that, the, the things that he makes me conscious of, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. God knows when you didn't know about something. But once you learn it or you heard it, you have no excuse. You have no more excuse. So God still moves in spite of your circumstances today and your troubles. Let's look at, at point three. How we act and talk as followers of Christ can have a positive or negative impact on believers and unbelievers. Okay? We impact both, even our brothers and sisters. If we don't, oh, yeah, I don't like that, you know, that 
because he's leading you out of this. You know, that's not for us to determine. That's not for us to determine. I'm sorry, but all of us are sinners saved by grace in this room. And those that are listening, none of us are perfect. But we do have one that is perfect living inside of us. And he requires us to be like him more and more every day. So even if you, oh, you ready to say something, oh, God, you know, please remove the cost. You know, I wanted to throw the chancleta. I wanted to throw a brick. God, let me not break the, you know, I want to throw some. Don't do it. Catch yourself. Oh, God, you're right. You're right. Why am I mad? Why am I mad right now? Why am I mad because of a, another person's behavior? That's who he is. You got, you're dealing with him. Why am I caught up in that? I need help <laughs> to be thinking crazy. We act in chocolate is very important. Verses 20, 20, 23 to 30. Above all, above everything you do or think in life, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, one mind, fighting what? Together for the faith, which is the good news. We can't be separated. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed. Whoa, destroyed, yeah, destroyed. But that you are going to be saved even by God himself personally, the same way he started that good work in you, he will personally finish it, the same way our same God is personally going to save us at the end. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, yes, Jesus, I just accept you, I love you, but now you have also been given the privilege of suffering for him too. And you say, well, wait a minute, suffering, what do you mean? They're going to tear my skin, they're going to put me in shackles, they're going to you know, skin me, they might pull my nails. Listen, we don't know what it is. But all I know is that when you get busy with the good news of Jesus Christ and people start coming to Christ, Satan is shaken. The kingdom of Satan is shaken. And the kingdom of God begins to grow even more. And the war has already begun. The war began in the beginning of time when Satan caused Adam and Eve to sin. That war has not ended yet. And our earthly wars compare to nothing like the the spiritual war that has been fighting and being fought every single day, even to today, for the souls of men, women, and children. So, <clears throat> how, we, how we live is very important, brothers and sisters. It is. You can say, oh, yeah, I go to church. You know, I go to church, and, uh, and yeah, I pray. Yeah, I know about the Bible. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm not really a saint, you know. Start hanging around with, with secular uh, friends and stuff like that, and they put you on the spot about your faith. And you're like, well, you know, I'm just visiting. You minimize your citizenship to the heavens. But don't you know that you are the most powerful kids in all the universe who is not only protected by the God, the only God, Abba Father, the King and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, but also you're filled with the power of all powers, the Spirit of your God. 
So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at all. And don't be ashamed. But listen, church. God has called all this, this location here. And those of you that are listening, God has called you into this war. So no more. No more of minimizing or making the gospel so weak. When you say that you're a Christian, but you're doing everything that the world does, you give a black eye to the gospel. Do you know that? But it doesn't stop the good news from spreading. Sooner or later, God will deal with you, but he will still save you because his promises never end. You might have to go through some chastisement, some punishment, some refining, but his work will not end. He promises it, right? So let's be all in for Jesus. Let's, let, let's love Jesus like Paul did. Whether we live or die, we're going to die anyways. <clears throat> the Bible tells us very clearly, we got to shut off this house, this tent, to receive that glorious, that glorious house. that we will, the, the Bible calls this a tent, but then it calls the new body a house. That means it's that glorious. A house instead of a tent. A tent is small. A house is like this. So our bodies are going to be just like his. And we shall see him face to face. So, brothers and sisters, in closing, here Paul gives clear instruction on our daily conduct and behaviors and uses the word must live. Key word again, remember? Must live. This is not a, this is not a I'll think about it. You're either all in or you're not. I have to be honest with you. That's the way God put it for me. He said, I want all of you, not just some of you. I want all or nothing. You know, the Lord saved me ten and a half years ago. And in the first years that he saved me, it's true. I never touched another drug in my life. And I was, I'm talking about, you see these guys out here struggling. I was out there sticking needles in my arms, killing myself. Putting stuff in my lungs that could have killed so many people. I've seen a lot of people OD from the very same thing that I did. God's promise was still my promise made to me when there was times that I'd be walking at 1 or 2 in the morning or 11 o'clock at night and it'd be cold outside winter and I would sit in my misery on some steps and um, I would sit there and say, God, remember your promise. You promised that you would, you would complete in me the work that you begun, but I don't see it happening. And you know what the Lord's voice would say? Ah, Pete. He would always say, return to me. And I had all the excuses. But look at me, I messed up. And his voice would always say, return to me. Return to me, my son. And I tell you that when I met my wife, God did not want me to be in a relationship in the wrong way. So I remember meeting Nancy, and I said, Nancy, man, you know, I don't want to be convicted for doing relationships the way that I did without marriage, you know. And I asked her, I remember, because Nancy was a devoted Catholic. She loved God. She went to faithfully to Catholic church every week, two, three, four, five times just to pray. She didn't know what was going on. <laughs> She didn't know much. She didn't know much about the Bible. 
But I remember we were best friends for a couple years. And then we started liking one another. And she said, yeah, that sounds. And I have been talking to her about the word of God since the day I met her. That's how I met her, too. In my laundry, in my laundry where I live. Because behind my doors, when you open my back door, the, the washer and dryer is there. She, she lived on the third floor. And um, she said, yeah, let's ask. This was new to her. And I said, let's ask God if we can date, you know. And God blessed it. We prayed for, for a few weeks. And God blessed us. Everything just flowed. And then I said, you know what, let's be more, let's be more bold six months down the line. I said, let's ask God if he will grant us to be married. And the reason, the reason why God did that was because Nancy was a soul of salvation. She, too, was chosen by God to be his daughter and to follow him. And with her would come her kids, my kids, who have come in and out from here. But they, they still believe in Jesus Christ and now read the Bible, too. But God granted our marriage. And I can tell you, listen, marriage is not easy. But if Jesus Christ is the center of your marriage and the first love of your life, I told Nancy, Nancy, I want you to understand something. Jesus is the love of my life. Then comes you. <laughs> she said, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I want the same thing. He's going to be first. Though, so you got to. And I said, you know, and God taught us about marriage through his word. And, I, and I, I, can, I can tell you this in truth. Because we love Jesus Christ. We get up in the morning with the Lord. We read God's word together. We pray together every morning since the first. That was one of my first promises to her. Nancy, I promise to read the word with you every single day, every single day. And since the day and even before we got married, that's what we did. We read the word in the morning together. We still read it. Even this morning, we were reading the word together. We still pray together, and we do not end the day without praying together. And I'll tell you this. She's still my best friend. We've never gotten into an argument. God, we haven't had financial um, difficulties because God brings it either way. You know, so for those of you that are thinking about marriage, Jesus first and then everything else. <laughs> so um, with that, brothers and sisters, I want you to be excited. Oh, and I got one more thing to mention. This Tuesday night, I start doing a Bible study. At 7 o'clock, if you have people that want to sit, believe me, listen, it'll be on the screen downstairs. I don't make stuff up. I will show you. I will show you what the word of God says because that's how God teaches me every day. And believe me, when you get so full of the truth of God, you know when something is truth and it's a lie. But the good news is this. You here, God has called you to stand between the gaps and understand that no matter what your struggle is today, he's in it with you. He never left me when I was a drug addict. He never did. He was always there tugging at me. Come back. He does it today too. So be encouraged, church. Be blessed. We're going to close in a prayer and uh, come. Come on Tuesday nights if you're hungry.
if you really want to train for how to be a soldier of the kingdom of God, well, how do I take the gospel? Come to seven, come to Tuesday nights, and you'll it'll become more clear. And I hope you get excited about it, because man, do a lot of people, a lot of the children of God, don't read the word, don't read. They just listen to so many preachers, and they're all over the place. Well, this preacher said this, and that one said that. But uh, uh, but what does the word of God say? All right, so let's stand up and. If there's anybody out there that was listening to this message and you don't know Jesus Christ and what the new good news stands for, um, come, come to, come to 2501 North Nordica uh, at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights and come and meet brothers and sisters who are also going to be training in the word of the Lord because the harvest is plenty, it's plentiful. But the workers are few. And God has called you, Montclair, also, you that are here, to stand in that gap. So it's like arming up. Come up. Pull out the sword. Stop sleeping on the benches. Wake up. Pull out the sword, the word of God, and begin to make battle with the enemy. Believe me, you're going to be hated by him. He hates me a lot. But it's okay with me. Jesus is still my defender. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day. We thank you that you have spoken. Lord, I pray for every ear and every, every heart that heard this word. I pray that some were convicted. I pray that some were moved, that some were encouraged, because they can have all three. Lord, this is your work. This is your word. This is your mission for us. You're doing the work in us. But we also have to partner up with you and put into practice the very same things that you speak to us week to week, month to month, year to year. Father, it doesn't matter. You have made that very clear where people are at today. What matters is that they choose you to and be all in with you today. So, Father, we love you for your word. We love you for your instruction. We love you for who you are. Thank you for saving sinners like us and loving us in our mess and still loving us while we still make messes. And Lord, we eagerly await for that day when you will come for us. But until you come, make us very busy, very busy to do your business. Just like Paul did, didn't matter where he was at and throughout the history of the Bible, didn't matter where they were at, they still brought your message. Let us do the same. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask you to take us home safely, protect us from the evil one and all his tricksters. Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we love you, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And Montclair says, amen. amen.